0: It's like 600 shows on the air. And it's not like there's like a Brad Pitt attached to the show, so it's not like you instantly have a reason to watch it. So you're like, yo, I believe it was a great show, but I didn't know that people would find it as fast as they did.
1: This is Taste. I'm your host, Eliza Barbanel. We all love the bear. Which means we all love Lionel Boyce. The multi-talented writer, slash actor, slash former odd future members, sweet, truly hilarious depiction of Marcus, a middling line cook turned burgeoning pastry chef, stole hearts and laughs in season one. The new season, streaming now, pushes him into further culinary and comedic heights. We're thrilled to have him on the podcast to talk about all of it. I hope you enjoy. This is Taste. Lionel Boyce, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, Thank you guys for having me.
1: We're happy to talk to you. We're happy to talk about the new season of The Bear. It was a favorite, I think, among everybody, but especially among food people. So there's a lot of fun things to dig into. And to start, I'm curious to know a little bit about your own personal relationship and background with uh, cooking and baking. Are you a baker?
0: No, I wasn't a baker before the show at all. I mean, I would cook a little bit just to, like, make food. When I was a kid, I baked a little bit because I was obsessed with, like, box yellow cake. And I remember my mom used to make the cakes. And it was a certain point where I started getting in trouble because she would make a cake and I would eat it in, like, one or two days. I just keep cutting slices and going back. And then eventually I will just go in there with a fork and just start chipping away. So I would get in a lot of trouble. And she stopped making cakes, and I remember, like in third grade, I was like, "Well, I need these cakes still." So I like learned how to make box cake just so I can like eat it. <laughs> I'll like get a few bucks, save it up, go buy it, and just make the cake. So uh... that, but so that, that it was like that little baking, and then, um, yeah, when we started doing the show, I was like very nervous because I was like, "I don't know how to bake. I've never really like made breads or done any of this. Uh, like pretty illiterate in the space." And they and giving me books and stuff. And they, I was fortunate enough to like go and like before we shot the pilot, I got to observe a day at Tarteen in Los Angeles and just like watch, just to see this is what this world is like and just talk to people and stuff. And I was very much just like, well, yeah, this is still a foreign language. And, but I, I got a sense and understanding of at least a little bit. And I would try to practice at home. Like they gave me like certain books and I was just like, let me just try to make this stuff and was failing horribly, but I was having a good time. And when we did season one, I, before we did season one, I got to stage at heart baggery in Copenhagen. And that was really where I was it was like, I learned and got the hang of things where they were, they were surprised because it was like, you know, a lot, a lot of times people come in and don't pick it up. And there was like, I was like, I remember Richard Hart said he's like, yeah, I was honestly, I like told him I was like, two weeks is not enough. He's not gonna learn shit here. (laughs) But and they were like so impressed that I was able to like pick up the basic like fundamentals of like hand movement and how to like do. There's still a lot I couldn't do, but it was like I can. Like shape, and by the end of it, I was like making a few of the easier breads start to finish. Um, Yeah,
1: I was gonna say in the new season, you're shaping loaves, and there is so much on your hands, and that's something that you can't really fake. You know, so much of baking is instinct and just knowing how to do the things.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a very physical thing, and it like it clicked in my mind in in a sense of um, I was like I related it to sports. It reminded me where it's like oh, it's just like when you break it down, it's like these movements like create this thing. It's like it, they did a good job of reminding me, don't look at the results, look at the, the risk move, look at the things that create the result, and then you'll find how it fits for your own body. And it's a, it's a lot of, that's like where I learned a lot, like the more comfortable you get, it's like the way you do it changes and shifts and molds your body, where Courtney Storer, our culinary producer was someone who I like worked with a lot too, and like talk when she would always remind me, she like, yeah, like do it, but like, you know, like do it like, like just however it feels right, rather than how we're telling you to do it and stuff like that. So That, I think, helped a lot because I grew up playing sports. So it just helped me find the physical way into it and started working.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like it connects to Marcus as a character a lot because he also has this sports background and is talking about the movement of things. Is that an intentional connection? Was that part of the character based on you?
0: I think it helped because... I remember Chris texted me when, I think when he was writing, he was like, you play, did did you play football too? Or am I making that up? I was like, yeah, I did. And so then I think he was just like, oh yeah, I was already thinking this thing. And it's like, it works out. And I think he was like, well, what position you play? Cause then I'll just make it the position you play. And I was like, yeah, I played linebacker. (laughs) I really played all positions, but that was like my main position. But yeah, I think definitely it's very, I'm sure like it's the same thing where it's like very physical and it's like in his mind in that way.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Another connection I'm curious about, you know, one of my favorite parts of the first season is this quest that Marcus goes on to make the perfect donut. Um, are you a donut eater? And does the way that you look at donuts change now that you have this whole connection to them?
0: Absolutely, I'm a donut eater. I'm a lover of donuts. I've always have been. Uh, <laughs>
1: Who isn't, to be honest? They're so good. <laughs> yeah,
0: Serial killers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: we don't uh, trust them.
0: No, no. Yeah, you like. I, I feel like donuts are like, Potatoes—they're just universal. It's like there's no like you—if you don't like some form of them, like it's like insane. It's just simple. Um, it's just sweet bread. But yeah, that that was great for me because I have always loved donuts, so it gave me an excuse to like lean into it. Like I can justify why I'm going around I'm going to eat some donuts. I'll absolutely take this and run with it. And I'm born and raised in LA, and I lived out here, so I was like, well, I need to I need to do research, I guess. And so I like made a list of the best donut places in Los Angeles and spent some time just driving around trying them and just seeing which ones I like and love and stuff. And then also from the show, I like learn. you know, you don't think about the difference between the cake and yeast donut and all these like things. And then like the higher end ones. And I had more of an appreciation for like, there was a spot like down in Carlsbad. Yeah. I drove all the way down, like near San Diego to try a donut. It was this place called the goods that had incredible donuts, but it was like uh it was like a higher end spot where it was like more boutique and, but like they were using like um, different kinds of like chocolates and stuff, but they were like still making it like taste just as good as like Randy's donuts or like random insert random donut shop. (laughs) And so I I like, yeah, it's like they were, they was approaching it in a higher end way without making it pretentious and like showing the need, like what's not evil in front of it. Whereas it's like this, I need you to taste the elevations. Just like, no, I want you to taste the flavor but made with, like, quality ingredients.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm from L.A. also, and I think L.A. is, like, the donut capital of the country. There's so many good donut places there. So I'm curious, like, where else you went on your list, if you remember any other ones?
0: Yeah, I went to, I think, is it called Donut King in Glendora? because yeah. That the strawberry ones and like the seasonal ones. I tried those. Oh, the Donut
1: Man. They're kind of like stuffed donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Those are crazy. Donut
0: Man, not Donut King. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, out in Glendora, I drove over there, which is a part of LA I've never been to. (laughs) Um, And then, well, I I mean, Randy's is my favorite. Uh, That was when I grew up in Inglewood. So that was the one by me. Still love the regular chocolate raised donut um sk donuts is incredible i love that they have great cake donuts i love like the, the the um just the regular cake donuts and the um croissant donuts good and their regular glaze is good mm-hmm. um obviously uh, it's crispy cream is just still good if when, the sign's high,
1: on and it says that they're yeah. hot out of the oven
0: in high school i like me and my friends like loved it so i have like we will always want the hot one. So I used to just call it and then I learned they got time. It was like, hey, just so you know, it's at five o'clock and nine o'clock every day. That's when their hot the Sign is on. So that's when I would go. Um, they
1: gave you the schedule. That's how you know it's real.
0: Yeah. Changed my life. Changed everything. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> trying to think, I, went, I went down to Carlsbad. Um there was a couple of other ones. I'm blanking on names, like one in Chatsworth. I'm forgetting the name. But that's the thing where it's like they're always, it's like in strip malls. And it's just so, you're right, so many of them. And I remember I watched that. Um, the Only King is the name of the documentary. I think that's where I got that name from. And I remember I watched that too. And I was like, just learning about the, the history of it. I was like, wow, that's cool. I didn't know the pink box was just born out of necessity. Like, oh, this is just cheaper. Like, And that's how the best things are done anyway. But yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a great documentary. That's a great donut list. It's making me wish that I had a donut right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know the first. What's your favorite
0: donut? The, in the first. City?
1: And I go to DK Donuts. Maybe is that what you mean by SK on like uh, Wilshire <laughs> on the West Side? Maybe it's Santa Monica. No,
0: no. I have DK Donuts. Before. SK Donuts is by the Grove on Third.
1: Mm. I used to love Stan's Donuts uh, in Westwood, but they closed. Oh, yeah. But that was my yeah. favorite. They did that like peanut butter banana stuffed donut, classic.
0: Mm-hmm. I never had that. I got to try that one. I did like Sidecar, too. Sidecar is good.
1: Well, you know, the original Stan's Donuts in L.A. is closed, but they franchised it to one guy in Chicago. So the next time you're in Chicago in, I think, Wicker Park, there's a Stan's Donuts there and they do the chocolate, like peanut butter, banana flavor that I love, which is kind of amazing.
0: Well, well, now I have to advocate extremely hard for season three, just so I can go out and try this donut. I'm like, if there's like just this needs to happen, I'll write them letters every day.
1: I believe in it. And and I feel like whether you're in Chicago or in L.A., like you must just be getting a crazy reception when you go to a restaurant because the show is so beloved um, in the restaurant community. Are people like sending out dishes and things? What's it like?
0: Yeah, that has happened. It's like my wildest dreams have come true. Yeah. Where I can get like free food at a restaurant. Um, but yeah, it's it 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 is cool because we made something that means something to people across the board, but especially in the restaurants where they come out and they'll talk to you. Like it it happens all the time. It happened not all the time. I don't want to like it happens all the time. It happens here and there. Um, I was at a restaurant once and it was like um it was like a taco. So I was at Detroit tacos downtown. And um the guy working there, he like I ordered and sat down. Then he brought the food. I was like, you know, I didn't even realize it was you. And then we just had like a cool conversation. And then he was like, you know, I was like almost done for the day and I didn't feel like cooking, but you got me inspired. I want to just make you something that I like make off in my spare time. So he went back in, like made this delicious like quesadilla situation that was like incredible. And, but yeah, it's like that to me, I was like, it's cool that you found because I know what it's like to have a passion to want to just talk about it and share it so like they found someone like the show got them excited enough to be like oh yeah I could talk to you about this and also I want you to see what I like I'm like (laughs) I'm inside it and I want to share this thing that I'm like just done for fun with you
1: (laughs) yeah I love that I feel like as an actor that must be so flattering and also the fact that it's a food show and you're getting like great treatment at restaurants is just like icing on the cake level like when you were shooting did you think that the show was going to be well received by people especially in the restaurant industry
0: no I I didn't know um for like it's like a, a few reasons like number one I know like the food world is like it's like anything when it's like very specific it's like you know like I I know it from experience of like coming from like being around like street world, streetwear world where like you see people make movies about like that, like culture, like skating, all that stuff. And you're like, oh, this is like, they're doing it. They're just making a movie. This is not specific or real. And so I was like, like, I know that's how, if this isn't done right, it can like land on the same, in the same way. And I knew Chris was smart and I knew everyone involved was like his sister, Courtney Story, Courtney Storer and Maddie Matheson, they're like from that world, and they live in that world still. So I trusted like they'll do this in a specific way, and they were. It was very instrumental where they're like saying, "Do this, don't do this. Nobody does this for real. Like, don't drink out of this cup. Like, put the water in Delhi in Delhi or whatever." And so it's like those specific details are the things that make it authentic. And um, but yeah, but that so that was on one hand, and then on the other hand, just in TV in general, it's like so many shows come out that we love that like you're telling everyone to watch. And it's like, no, there's so many things. It takes, it's like 600 shows on the air. But like, who, who's, and it's not like there's like a Brad Pitt attached to the show. So it's not like you instantly have a reason to watch it. So you're like, you know, this, I, I believe it was a great show, but I, I didn't know that people would find it as fast as they did.
1: Yeah, I feel like it makes sense you would answer that way. And obviously you never probably go in thinking, oh, this is going to be the biggest hit ever. But going into season two, knowing that there was this excitement behind it, did you approach your character or anything any differently? Or was it just kind of like back to set, back to work?
0: I tried my best just to go back to set, back to set, back to work, because all of those, again, like I, I had to like remind myself because so much going into it, you're like, wow, like I've never been a part of something on the inside where it's like a, a hit, a sensation in this way. And so I'm like, I wonder, going back, what would it be like? How would it feel? And all these things, I have so many questions. When I got there, I, I like, and I would try to remind myself, like, I've been around, like, I've seen it with friends, like seen, uh, like some of my closest friends, are, like musicians. So I've got to see, like, you know, that happened. And like, I was fortunate to have like conversations where I was like, that's the thing, the, the way to create is to eliminate all of those things that don't matter. You don't, you don't, you had, you weren't responsible for the reception of the show. You only can make the thing, you don't know how people respond. You have no control over that. So if you try to control that is when it's like, you're like going operating from the wrong place and it no longer rings true. So you try your best to like kick that to the curb. And I think getting to set, it was like even easier for that to happen because everyone else was already in that mindset. And it just felt like we picked up three days from where we left off at making the show. It's just like, oh yeah, like, hey, how you doing? Everyone's still excited. It felt small again. And it felt like none of that stuff mattered.
1: Mm -hmm. And also it probably helps that you're filming in Chicago, right? So you're going like back to this place. What's it like for you being in Chicago? Do you have spots that you go to or are you on set too much to really be a regular anywhere?
0: Um, well, I hoped and dreamed to become a regular at Michael Jordan Steakhouse. And I only went there once. And it was like empty. And I just like the idea of that is so funny to me. And I was just like, yeah, if there's if there's only one place I need to be a regular at. And I I went there once and I would like daydream. This is I, I'm just like an absurd person. So I would like daydream me being in there. And Michael Jordan walks in, sits down, we spark up a conversation, become best friends, and just meet at Michael Jordan's Steakhouse once a week. Um <laughs> He loves no, you.
1: I, you get like a booth with your name on it, all of that. Yeah. yeah.
0: He makes a cameo season three. He's like, yeah, where's Mark? Like, it's just Marcus and Michael Jordan, one whole episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would watch that. Let's be real. It sounds great.
0: (laughs) It just starts with them playing basketball. And then he's like, you hungry? He makes them go. I don't know now why I'm like writing this episode in my mind. Um,
1: Yeah. Call, call everyone. We have it right here. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, No, but like I, the, I didn't really have that much time to like those like we would like go out and eat at places and try restaurants. And it was really like Maddie's like really good at like that. So I, when I, I learned, I learned early on, you can't leave it in my hands because before I knew anybody, like when we did the pilot, there was a few days I was there by myself and I was just making poor choices left and right. And then when I met Maddie, I'll go eat with him. So I was like, yeah, this is why would I not just ride this coattail and get great meals? Because he knows where to go. Um, but yeah, the, we go to like get breakfast sandwiches from like Casaman a lot. Those were great. Um, there was a first spot, I don't know the name of it, that I would go with Maddie. That was incredible. It was like a hole in the wall, like a, a grandma making it. And you just like, this is amazing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's like a lot of really good restaurants out there. Yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't a regular at any because of the time, but yeah.
1: Season three, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I want to talk about some things that happen in season two that are maybe a gentle spoiler. So if anyone is listening and they haven't watched through the fourth episode, uh, this is your chance to bail. But if you're still with us, um, you get to go to Copenhagen, which is such a fun food city to shoot there. Mm-hmm. And it's a really special episode it's kind of like marcus's episode and it follows him looking for inspiration and doing all of these things and he's going to noma but also to the bakeries and the street cart hot dogs that are all kind of part of what makes copenhagen a food city so i'm curious like in addition to shooting at these places like did you get to eat at noma like where else did you go in copenhagen and what did you think about it as a city
0: i love copenhagen as a city i've only gone there and when i want to go back like I want to go back in the summer because everyone's like the city itself in the summer is like the best. It's like, you know, you get people, everyone's biking, everyone gets off work. And then like, you see people getting off work, taking off their suits, jumping in the the canal to swim, laying out. And the sun doesn't go down to like one, one AM. So you're just like drinking. And then it's just like that, that, that feeling, but it's like a city of like form follows function, which I think is really cool. Like everyone dresses so cool out there. It's just clean. And like, like simple and in a great way. And yeah, the food is incredible everywhere. I did get to go to Noma, which was, yeah, it was, it's an incredible experience. Um, SIRP pizza was amazing. went to this ramen place called Slurp Ramen that has some of the best Korean fried chicken there. Uh, Sanchez, which was really cool because the chef from Sanchez is actually from Chicago and she was the head pastry chef at I I'm I'm saying this, I'm sure everyone here knows this. I'm like the last person to find all this out. But yeah, she was she was like telling me that she was like, Yeah, and like from Chicago, went out, went there, was a pastry chef at Noma, then left and opened up this restaurant that was like incredible. Um Baraba. I went to a lot of places because yeah. I was just like like I was like, if I'm here, I'm go. And Poulette, like the chicken sandwich I got to eat was like just this incredible chicken sandwich or I didn't, I think I ate like three of them and I didn't mind it. And every time, like, this is just some of the best things, is one of the best things in my life.
1: That's how you um, know it hits. I have to hear more about Noma because I've never been before. Who knows if I'll ever go. What Did anything really stand out to you when you went there?
0: Yeah, everything st- stood out. I think one of the biggest things that stood out wasn't even the food. It just reminded me, I was like, it's cool getting to see things at the highest level in this way where you get... Like, what your grand grand is complete autonomy. Like, this is a restaurant on like his terms, where it's like you see, like Quentin Tarantino gets to make a three hour movie when like like there's no studio notes saying like, hey, can you shorten it? And so that's what very much that felt like, where you like you don't they give you the menu at the end as a souvenir, like hey, this is what you ate. You don't get you only give them like if you'll die, you can't eat this. That's the only exception you get. <laughs> um, so that was cool and inspiring to see, just to see like. This is what like creativity and like you can like achieve this in any field. Um, all of the food stood out because it was things that I like would have never eaten on my own, and just like seeing it, like it opens your mind in a in that same way where you're like, oh yeah, I guess it's not like we're looking at the words and like placing. And like exact, an expectation of something, you have no idea what it is. So it just made me more open-minded within food. Like the first dish out the gate is like deer brain. And you're just like, this is something I would never eat. I would have never eaten. I told my mom, I sent my mom a photo and she's literally like, what the fuck is wrong with you? you going out there and losing your mind. What are you doing? And like, it's like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I I couldn't understand why you would. Like, that's a very valid thing. So it's like, but like, there's things like that. But then there's just like, vegetables like regular vegetables that they they like and all these things to you like this is just incredible like you make every single thing taste good
1: yeah that's so powerful to start with deer brains right out the gate they're letting you know like this is what's up this is on our terms
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's yeah it's like a bolt. Tw- it is it's like yeah he's just like that's cool to me that that's what's cool yeah it's just like make making a strong choice. Tw- like making it feel dangerous you know what I mean? Like they like it's not like a safe thing. It's like yeah, I'm just gonna take a risk. Like what Like what? That's what you want to see within art and stuff. It's just like someone making things feel dangerous.
1: Definitely, and I think that that to me connects to kind of this journey that Marcus is going on when he goes to Copenhagen. He's learning how to use tweezers and how to make a quenelle and all of these kind of like fine dining things that weren't part of his repertoire before um so i'm curious like what's the quinnell technique because it looks like you're nailing it on the show
0: <laughs> well you know what's funny that was a thing me and uh will were like talking about uh before because like i knew that that was in the script so i was like and i was like this is a thing that's like really hard to do and I, I it's like go back to the thing where it's like if, if if i can't do this if you see a hand like you have to be able to do it like you don't it can't be like a text shot on the hand of someone doing it, And you're like, yeah, he didn't actually do this. You can, so you wanted to like be able to do it for real. And so I was like practice that a lot until like it made sense and I was able to get it. And then same thing with like, Will when he got there, he was like, dude, like freaking out about this thing. And so we were like practice. We just kept practicing the whole time and we're like practicing in between takes. And he, I was so jealous. Cause he got a perfect one on camera first go. But I was like, I said, I was like, I feel like you're going to just get up actual perfect one like not nah, and he didn't I was like dude and then I was like I'd been doing much better ones like before that like and when I got there it wasn't working for a while then I finally like got one but I think that was also like it was great because it was real and it felt like yeah this is a person like you're not going to like come out the gate with like a perfect swoop Although I was hoping and wishing I did.
1: No, but I think that's what's so beautiful about that episode also is that, you know, like at first he's trying to place the slivered almond perfectly on the dessert. And it's the self-doubt that's keeping him from doing it. And it's the like confidence and also the practice that gets you there. And I think that like that is so true in all kinds of art and especially in food that you're just going to have to fuck up and not have a perfect quenelle, and then. Now, like, who knows, maybe you're quenelling like everything in your fridge when people come over just to show that you can.
0: Oh, absolutely. 100. If you don't think that's what I'm doing, that's the only thing I'm doing. Foods that don't need to be is what I'm just going to get out of hand. I don't know. Quenelle donuts. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like, the, I think definitely that is true where people, people quit before they get good. People don't like people are afraid of like sucking. It's like you have to suck before you can get good. And people quit when before they suck or when they start to suck.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like that makes a lot of sense, so because you have a music background, I have to ask you like what's your music that you're listening to when you're cooking these days? What should I be listening to when I'm cooking
0: um i'm I'm like always all over the place. I like have songs that's like of the week, but i usually I like what I do like, and it was like actually cool when I did get the stage out and um in Copenhagen, because it's like over in Europe, they love NCS radio. So I was like, it's easy. It's like whenever I need new music, I like, there's like a few shows I listen to on there where you just like, I know I trust them and this will give me like some stuff so I can like hear a few songs, take this and like dive into this person and have like 10 new songs to listen to for like another week or so. So it's like, it just literally depends on the week. Um, Like this past week, I, this, I've only been listening to one song, actually, because it was in an episode, it was in um, episode three, Sydney's episode, there was a squeeze song, Goodbye Girl, that I like never heard before. And it's like literally the only song I've been listening to nonstop. Like just three different versions of the song. And I've been just going in between the three different versions.
1: I like that. You're mixing it up, but it's also just all one song still. I feel like that's the mm-hmm. right headspace with cooking is I always do albums because I know like it's one vibe. And also I can kind of see how time is passing a little bit. You know, what is
0: what is your. Do you, so do you have like a go to album?
1: Well, it depends. I think if I'm having a dinner party and I'm cooking and people are coming over, Miseducation of Lauren Hill is just like a God tier album. So that's Again. always the right vibe. Mm-hmm. But yeah. today, who knows? I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> This was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming by the show and congrats on the new season. It's such a fun one.
0: Uh, Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) This is Taste is hosted by Matt Rodbard and me, Eliza Abarbanel. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things happening.